2: You are about to listen to part two of our interview with the award-winning showrunner, creator, writer Floyd Kane. If you haven't listened to part one, you probably should go and do that before you come back here. For those of you who have come back for part two, you're in for a treat. And thanks again to Floyd Kane for coming on the show to talk about Digstown, which you can find on CBC or CBC Gem. I guess pivoting back to, to Digstown, I do think that shows like this. Shows like this do a good job of showing our communities to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just want to say that I hope that that, that Digstown um, is contributing. I, I'm sure that it is contributing to the, the kind of healing and, and processing of that intergenerational trauma that that needs to take place. Moving back to the show, um, you know, the rest of the cast, so in in addition to Marcy, like, it's a really diverse cast with layers of complexity in, in each and every one of their characters. How important was it for you to show the intersectionality that exists within each of them, as opposed to just centering or focusing on Marcy's story?
0: Well, this is about how I move through the world. So when we talked about, when we talked earlier about, you know, Marcy having bits and pieces of me, it, to me, that was, it's more so about the fact that mercy. Like, I walk through a world where I am not the only, everyone in my world is not black. And mm-hmm. I have to navigate that every day. I'm in spaces where, and I'm sure you guys can probably relate, I'm in spaces where I am typically the only black person. That's right. E- even though there are other people of color. I'm the only black person, yeah. mm-hmm. and just and just because there are other people of color, we don't assume or we shouldn't assume that that person sees the world the way I do, or pre- or appreciates my struggle. No, never, did. right? So, so for me, it was really important to set mercy in that world, in that reality, because, like, I believe, well, part part of what's interesting t- to me is that when I was growing up in Nova Scotia, so I would have friends who grew up in the islands mm-hmm. and they would say to me, once we got close enough, and these are black people, they would say to me, what is wrong with you people here? <laughs> How come you guys can't get it together? Oh no. Yeah. I've heard that plenty. And, and and what I had to explain to this person is that you come from a place where you have majority Black, mm-hmm. Black people are in all walks of life. You've seen Black lawyers, Black doctors, Black accountants, Black garbage men, Black custodians. Whereas here in Nova Scotia, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. all you saw were Black laborers and and tradesmen. My yeah. My dad was a cement mason. And if you were lucky, somebody might work for the post office, because that was a good job, yep. Yep. you know, delivering mail. But that's but that's it, right? And, and once again, if you don't see yourself, right, if you don't see yourself, then you can't, you have nothing to aspire to, right? If you don't see these, Im- if you don't see these images, if you don't meet these people in your life, if you don't have these role models, you have nothing to aspire to. Yeah. And so for me, the idea of Marcy and having her walking through life and, and seeing this intersectionality, this was really about me saying, okay, look, the world that we live in, we're never, we're, like, we don't, Black people in Canada do not have the luxury of going to a bank where mm-hmm. the person they deal with is Black, the grocery store, the cashier is Black. We just mm-hmm. simply don't have, that's not how our society is set up. And so to not present Marcy and not have this intersectionality happening in terms of her life would like, to me, that would be disingenuous, you know? And, and then also on top of that, like one of the things that the intersection intersectionality allowed me to do was that in season two, we did a story, where Marcy and Doug are representing this young indigenous woman mm-hmm. and I Marcy wants, Lord, man, I wants her to take the deal. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Doug is like, no, she can't take the deal. Yep. Because she she doesn't believe she does not believe that she is guilty. Yep. And it, what was great about that is that it was an opportunity to look at Mercy's blind spots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? So that's, so that's why that aspect of the show is very important to me. I particularly loved in in towards the
1: end of that episode where um the young indigenous you know defendant uh was obviously speaking to Marcy gaining her advice but she also turned to Doug right a member of her well maybe not her tribe but certainly from her community to gain his perspective because in a way culturally that matters more and he understood the cultural ramifications for her and I think it was very good to see that transpire on television, understanding the cultural ramifications for different people.
0: Yeah. Like we don't, we don't talk about, we don't talk about the fact that we actually, we kind of have like, you know, like indigenous and black people do, do not talk enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. We, we actually don't, we actually don't sit down and converse enough. Around the the issues that are impacting us, a lot of those issues are the same. Yeah. yeah, and we and and we don't talk about these things, and we need to do more of that. And I feel like, if anything, in terms of the show, like that was that the relationship between Mercy and Doug has really become sort of the centerpiece of the show. Mm. Um, and that's that's been very important to me.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I was I was gonna say that it's also really like to add on to what Curtis was saying. It's it's very powerful that Marcy is the the boss, and that, mm-hmm. she, that she has like white employees, <laughs> like that she yeah. or that she at least has because of the way that anti black racism works, and we're normally at the bottom, or or if even if we're not at the bottom, doing well, we're the head of other blacks. We're not the, her positioning, uh, professionally. I thought was was really really interesting and um kept me watching so but
0: if i can just like say this it's like marcy what i think is interesting about that story though is that even though marcy's the boss she has a boss Yep. you know what i mean she has she has no it, it's that whole idea of like when i when i started show running i thought well i'm the boss everyone's gonna listen to me damn it <laughs> And then you quickly realize, no, these people work, the crew, the below the line folks, they work for the line producer because that's where they're going to get their next job from.
2: Yeah.
0: So, so, so it's that, so then you have this whole thing where there's a conflict or the tension between the creative coming from my end and the crew Right, which is the which is the line producer side, mm-hmm. and so you, to me, like that making Marcy the boss and and setting it up so that you know Vivian kind of comes in as a sort of like you know uh, benefactor, and then like watching that relationship unfold or devolve, mm-hmm. to me like that's been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because, because it speaks to that whole idea that we all have a boss. Yeah. We all
2: must be held accountable. Yeah. mm mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So without giving any spoilers, what can folks expect from season four, the, the final season of Digstown?
0: Well, okay, so we aired episode four uh, last week which was very dramatic in terms of its ending. There's a great payoff. I mean, for me, like if you watch the show since season one and you've tracked the relationship between Marcy and Iris, Mm -hmm. you are going to, you're going to finally see all of that paying off this season. Interesting. Uh, In in a major, in a major way. Um, I th- I think we're going to come to a conclusion with respect to the Mercy Avery relationship Yay. and whether or not these two people are destined to be together or they're going to end up going separate ways. I don't know. I think we
1: should be together, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll let it be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I well, I'm not going to say. It. Um, I I think that Mercy ultimately is going she's going to find herself in a situation where her firm is being used as a pawn mm. between two very powerful people and she has to figure out a way to get out of it well i mean that, and that I'm sorry and that decision may lead to the end of the firm that started back in season what one or two right uh so it was so we started so she started her own firm because she was at Legal Aid for the first two seasons. Yeah. And then she started her own firm in season three after she quit Legal Aid. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing is that the relationship between her and Vivian Jefferson has been a very interesting situation to watch because I because I also feel like the the other thing that we're exploring with Marcy, and it's subtextual, is just that She's somebody who, at the end of season three, this traumatic event happens to her, and then she ends up having to come back to work before she's ready. Mm. And she makes mistakes. And those mistakes end up creating all of the problems that she has to deal with Mm. and try to resolve before we get to the end of the season.
1: Complexities, complexities, complexities.
0: Like I don't know, I think... I think it's interesting like when we're in the writing room and we we have these epiphanies about Marcy all the time and we in you know I think Marcy is a very I think Marcy is is more complex than like if I said to you if in real life I met Marcy I'm not sure I would like Marcy. I hear you. I hear you. You know, when I look when I look back at everything that she's done, the things that she does, how she goes about winning her cases. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like she's she's an interesting, she's a very interesting character that I think because she kind of walks through life and she's on she's on the quote unquote right side of things, and she seems like pleasant while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. We think that oh well, she's this kind of person, but I think if if you actually met her in reality, I'm not sure you'd like her.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting place to leave that for Marcy, but anyway, why don't we? Talk a bit more
1: about you on a personal level just to end this off. I mean, sure. What's next for you and your work? And I my my I'm being very selfish here. I'd personally love to see a series about a a Canadian black male politician and
0: I think you'd be a perfect creator. Do it. Is there something like that in the works from your perspective? I think listen. <laughs> I I think that you should basically go out and pitch that. Idea. I think I, I think that's have to do it. I, I I think that's a. Here's the thing. I think that's a great idea for a show. Uh-huh. I think our political landscape is not interesting enough. I think you're. To right. be honest, we have to. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like it's just it's too like like because the thing is is that it's just. I mean, when you once again, I mean, what are what are the political scandals? We gave too much money to a children's chair a a charity for children yeah and so who suffers as a result of that yeah the children who were receiving the benefits of that I uh, I guess what I'm thinking of though is like we got
1: we got house of house of cards from the UK and then it transpired into you know the the US version and and these were effectively fictional pieces of work I mean they were based on a character it's true yes they were based on a character but Overwhelming. Well, they're fictional pieces of work. Why can't we have something like that here in Canada for a black politician? Yeah, well,
0: yep. do, But do you want me to be do you want me to be real with you? I'm, you real. Be I'm like, on the show, listen, man. ask yourself this question. Like, why did it take so long to get a show with a black female or black person in general as the lead of of a Canadian drama? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, can you tell can you us? Let, what why did it take so long
0: <laughs> Can I tell you? um listen, here's the re- the reality is that TV in Canada is not made for us
2: mm-hmm.
0: we 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 are still living back in the eighties u s. Do you know what I mean? like, Ooh, yeah. like Canadian like like back in the eighties in the us they were having the conversation of do black or Latino viewers matter. When it comes to making our shows, do we care if they watch the shows? Right. Because we get no economic advantage in terms of the advertisers go saying, well, who cares if they watch, they don't have any money, they don't buy anything. Right. They don't matter. Right. We're still having that conversation here in Canada. Yep. Right. Like when you look when you look at like so so in the if you look at the US the Nielsen's every year they do a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Top, top ten shows blacks watch, top ten shows Latinos watch, mm-hmm. top ten shows indigenous people watch. In Canada, Numeris breaks down their stats by gender, age, and language. They do not they they will they they are not open about what percentage of their like you know 4800 Numeris families are uh, of color mm-hmm. who are black where they are geographically across the country nothing they like and and no one is insisting like all four of the broadcasters sit on the numerus board none of them are insisting that numerus make this information public yeah yeah so 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 when it comes to the whole notion of why has it taken so long for marcy diggs to happen in our country it's because the broadcasters are not who are all ad supported are not programming we're not programming for us and it just so happens when we walked in the CPC and pitched the show, they were ready for it. Yeah.
2: Wow. Right.
0: Like it it wasn't, I mean, to be frank, it wasn't because I'm this great, awesome person and I like dazzled them <laughs> in a pitch. It was because they were ready for it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I just happened to walk in at the right time.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: Timing is everything.
2: Yeah, man. Ooh.
0: Well, Floyd,
1: I mean look, man, this has been an both an, an informative conversation, both from a a perspective of, you know, watching, admiring Diggstown, but also from hearing from a, a black man with a legal background who's making things happen, in showbiz in particular. And the realness that comes with that. So we just wanted to thank you for making the time. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll have you again in the future to talk about that uh, that Canadian political show based on that black political. Uh,
0: what Listen, I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it, I think it just could be like, I actually think you know it would be really interesting if it were like a murder mystery. Mm. Like I love it. I love it. I just think that's a great world. It's just like you know, it's just figuring it out. I mean, you know, you should. I, I'm telling you, you should really pitch that. <laughs> Awesome. Got work to do.
1: (laughs) You just listened to episode 92 of The Drip, sponsored by Fido Mobile. And we're so thankful for their support, which amplifies important discussions like these in the fight against anti-Black racism. We're releasing pods on a regular basis, so subscribe to stay up to date.
2: You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at TheDripTO. And you know, we love our many listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up.
1: We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Thanks again to Floyd Kane
0: for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, this has been wonderful to talk about uh, Digstown and also just have a more broad conversation about television and politics and the Canadian media Uh landscape just keep doing what you're doing it's really important i've been listening i've been waiting for a podcast like the one you guys have so i'm really i'm really glad you're doing this
2: oh yeah man no it's very true it's very
0: true i like i this is something that i hear a lot of a lot of the times in the u.s you know there'll be there are tons of podcasts that speak to black issues in america and it's just great that you guys are Doing this in Spotlighting Canada, because I think it's important.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See y'all next time.